Well, a very muddy picture this morning. U.S. equities are rising, but so is the VIX volatility index. So there's a lot of uncertainty around. That seems certain as we head towards the FOMC meeting later on this week. And a piece in the Wall Street Journal saying that they are pretty much divided in the Fed right now about how far they should go with rate rises. One number they will be looking at is U.S. inflation out overnight tonight, Australia time. And the Bank of England has some numbers to look at as well. Employment and wages data later on after the GDP numbers yesterday, which were quite as bad as expected. And for Australia, the NAB business survey today. Is that enough for you? It's Tuesday, the 13th of December, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities are back on the rise today, a 1.3% rise in the Nasdaq, 1.4% up for the S&P 500, and a 1.6% rise in the Dow. They were high anyway, but quite a ramp up towards the U.S. close. Despite that, the Aussie dollar not following U.S. shares this time. It's down 0.7% this morning to almost 67.5 U.S. cents. And that's not just because of a strong U.S. dollar. Uh, the DXY is up, but only 0.2% at 105 on an index that was at 114 in September. September. Against the US dollar, the Japanese yen also well down, losing 0.9%, much lesser movements in the pound, which is up 0.1%, and the euro down ever so slightly. Very little movement in bonds, 10-year bond yields, treasuries up three basis points, just one basis point rise uh, for yields in German 10-year bonds, 10-year gilts uh, up two basis points, so no big deal, despite what the week has in store for us. Although rates are higher at the front end for treasury curves, two years are up four basis points, uh, so so the yield curve is flattening a little, very little, actually. And oil, that was lurching ever lower, but now it's back on the up. A 2.8% rise in Brent, up over $78, and a 3.4% lift in WTI prices, creating over $73. So we are back in an environment where if we look at what happened at the end of last week and assume the opposite, that's where we are. Uh, Ray Attrell is here. Uh, he was on holiday last week, and uh, the opposite, now he's back at work. So uh, for the second last time this year, here he is on uh, the morning call from NAB in Sydney. So uh, what is driving uh, the uh, the push in equities this morning? Is it, I mean, the only thing is the New York Fed's Consumer Expectations Survey, which normally wouldn't turn markets in any way, but it did have one-year inflation expectations for what it's worth. They fell. So is it a case that markets looked at that and thought, well, you know, there's not anything else. We'll take that and we'll run with it. Quite possibly. Good morning, Phil. Yes, I've just been trying to get my head around those numbers and um I don't know what you think, but I'm always a bit of a cynic when it comes to um, consumer inflation expectations. So the best guide to, to where they're at is what happened to CPI last month. And remember, we had those downside surprises, didn't we, in, um, in CPI, whether that gets repeated tonight. Of course, is the, is the big uh, big question. But, but yes, well, that's down the big question. This is the man in the pub index, isn't it, rather than quite the actual possibly, real numbers. But, um, I don't know, price of a pint where I live has gone up by more than 5.2%. And I'll tell you that, but uh, <laughs> certainly in New Zealand, where I was last week. But um, yeah, I think in terms of the cash stock market index, I, I do, indices, I do think it's had an influence. But um, I think that, um, you know, you wouldn't know it looking at the change in the day, change on the day so far of all the main US stock indices, which are up between sort of 03 and 1%, that it's actually a pretty cautious yeah. risk-off day. And I'd probably point you more to that, the VIX index or the so-called fear gauge. Yeah, which has gone which up. actually exactly. gapped higher and yeah. at um, about 24.5, which is up from about 22.5 where it went out last week. Um, I think that's the highest level we've seen since the 17th of December. So looking at that, looking at the stronger dollar, looking at the Aussie dollar as the weakest of the G10 
uh, currencies, um, you know, and, and perhaps to you know higher bond yields. We've actually just had a pretty poor U.S. ten-year note auction. Um, I think the, uh, the the strength of uh, so cash equities is giving a very misleading picture of the mood running into uh, to U.S. CPI tonight and the Fed tomorrow. So it's it's just uncertainty, isn't it? So so Nick uh, Timiraeus, or I don't know, how, never know how you pronounce his name from the the Wall Timmy Street. Reyos. Timmy Reyos. All oh, right, Nick Timmy Reyos from the Wall Street Journal. So today he, he's writing about how, and he's apparently someone we should pay attention to. How divided the Fed is on on how far they should go. Obviously, between those who you know think inflation is going to cool and they don't need to do too much, and those who think it's going to go higher, so they need to go higher, or at least you know uh, they they certainly shouldn't be going backwards. And he gave the quote from Jerome Powell, which I think is which is pretty telling, because this sort of sort of sides more on the dovish side, saying we've been pretty aggressive. Uh, this is an event last month in Washington. We wouldn't try to crash the economy and then clean up afterwards. I wouldn't take that approach at all. Well, that's a pretty cautious comment from him, isn't it? No, it is actually, and uh, I've always been suspicious that. Um Mr. Timmy Reyes's key source is none other than the Fed chair himself. Not that I have any evidence to corroborate that view, but um, but yes, I'm just sort of reading the the, um, the Timmy Reyes comments. Um, you know, almost as we as we're recording this, and I think the key sentences are: "Cracks are beginning to emerge among them, i.e., Fed officials, over how stubborn inflation has become and what they should do about it. Mm. Some expect inflation to cool steadily next year and want to stop raising rates soon. Others worry inflation." won't ease enough next year, a scenario that calls for raising rates higher or holding them at that level for longer, boosting the chances of a sharp slowdown. So, um, yes, I mean, we know from the likes of sort of James Bullard and, and Christopher Waller, um, you know, they're very much in that hawkish camp. And I certainly expect that, you know, when we look at the so-called dot plot um, early Thursday morning, our, our side, you know, we'll see several dots that are well north of 5% and that... Um, We'll probably be keen to, to, to pin those names to, to some of those dots at least. But mm. um, but you know, ultimately, you know, there's a lot of deference to the to the chair. Uh, we've heard that from James Bullard, for example. And um, if he is in the camp that thinks that, um, you know, probably once we get to five percent or thereabouts, that, that it might be might be time to stop. Um, but I think that what happens to you know actual inflation between now and then is ultimately going to be the arbiter of well, uh, whether that's the case and, and what we see for the so-called. Um, you know, 2024 dot, which we were discussing amongst the team yesterday. And uh, certainly the Fed is not going to be giving any sucker to the idea that rates could be lower at the end of 2023 than they are um, you know, at the so-called terminal rate, which one assumes is going to expect it to be met in the first half of next year. So um, whether or not which side of 5% that falls, I think, is, is, is probably how markets will turn on Thursday morning. So before that, of course, uh, we get uh, we do get those that, that CPI print uh, later on today. So what's the expectation there? Well, the expectation is that it's going to be relatively good news. So um, you know the the, the, the median uh, consensus or the median expectations, according to the Bloomberg survey, is that we should look for 0.3 percent monthly gains for both the headline and the core ex food and energy measures, which would imply headline down to. 7.3 from 7.7, and that core reading down to 6.1 from 6.3. So that compares to so the high we've had in the cycle so far 
is 6.6 for that core measure back in September. So mm. it would imply that we're, we're at least half percent off the highs, but at 6.1, we're still tracking more than three times the Fed's 2% target. So a long, long way to go. But um, I think markets would be encouraged by, um, by numbers that are no worse than those consensus forecasts. Well, it's, it's, I mean, around the world, it's labour costs, which obviously the concern, because everything else seems to be getting cheaper. I mean, oil is coming down. I mean, that would be part of why that consumer expectation fell, wouldn't it? Because people were paying less for petrol. That would have been their, their immediate response. I Absolutely, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got container freight costs that, you know, had skyrocketed. Now they're sort of back to pretty much where they were before the pandemic. And if China is going to live with COVID, then there's every reason to uh, to be optimistic there. Now, I know that, the, you know, there's reports saying that the hospitals are getting overrun with COVID patients, but a, a chunk of that, I mean, that'll pass, won't it? And a chunk of that, I think, from what I'm reading in, in amongst all of that, is that people are panicking because they're getting it. So they'll go through, you know, over the next few weeks, they'll go through this process that we've all been through of going, oh, well, that wasn't, you know, for, for I mean, obviously not for everybody, but for a lot of people, oh, that wasn't too bad. And they, and they start, they do go through this cycle of living with it. So, um, you know, so th- so even the, the bad news we're getting from China, I think is probably just temporary, isn't it? Well, certainly markets have been, you know, certainly as of sort of the middle of last week, they've certainly prepared to look through. Um, you know, the prospect of more, you know, short term economic weakness and, and, and negative health news, um, you know, clearly because of the, you know, we talk about pivots erroneously when it comes to central bank policy, but the pivot in China's dynamic zero COVID policy is, uh, you know, is undeniable. But um, as I say, the news on um, surging hospitalizations is uh, is not good news, but we also had the credit and money supply numbers out last night, and uh, they didn't make particularly good reason. And we've seen a, a decline in um, or weaker than expected China new loans from the banks. We've seen the broadest measure of credit um, slipping uh, against expectations. And, you know, their annual growth rates have come down um, in the case of that broad credit measure, I think, to, uh, right. to 10.1 to 10.3. So, well, they have been in lockdown, but obviously, you know, given the, the, the pivot that we've also seen as far as the construction sector, um, you know, you look under the hood of the, of the credit numbers and you are seeing a rise in corporate lending, but it's for the moment, it's being more than offset by the lack of demand for uh, for consumer credit, at least. And, uh, you know, so it does mean that the so-called overall credit impulse is actually, you know, weighing down on the economy and probably will continue to do so. Um, we'll get the latest China activity numbers, I think, later this week. And uh, based on those numbers, I, I don't think we're going to get anything other than uh, some probably negative news as far as that is to that is concerned, at least. Anyway. Well, the Bank of England, of course, later in the week, they've got some numbers to look at as well. Uh, UK unemployment data is out uh, later on today, but they had the GDP numbers yesterday. Uh, the three-month average fell a little less than expected, so that was good news. And month-on-month, October was also a little better than anticipated. So um, the slowdown is um, not slowing down as much as we thought, maybe. Unless you're going to tell me there's some number that I've missed out, which is actually uh, telling the opposite story. If I look at all the numbers, I'd say that on balance, they were better than expected. So um, look at um, manufacturing output, for example, 0.7% up against uh, 0.1% fall expected. Construction output up 0.8% against 0.1% expected. And uh, I've got monthly GDP up 0.5% against 0.4% expected on the month. And the three-month-on-three-month number at minus 03 
uh, a little less bad than the minus 0.4% expected. So, and if I look at currencies in general, um, you know, I must admit we've been a little bit perplexed at quite why sterling has been as strong or resilient as it has. And if I look at the G10 scorecard as, as we're recording, you know, it's the best performing currency and it's the only one that's actually up. Um, you know, against a generally strong, uh, strong US, US dollar. dollar. Mm. So, um, you know, nothing in here detracts from from our view that, uh, you know, we are in or heading into a, an outright recession. But um, for the moment, the data is somewhat thumbing its nose at that. And uh, yeah. and the foreign exchange market is clearly not having a bar of it. And so in that unemployment data uh, later on today, well, we get the unemployment rate, we get the claimant count, we get the average earnings, we get uh, the change in those uh, who are employed. I'd imagine that, that those average earnings they that that is the concern for the uk isn't it they are going to creep up because if you look at uh, who's on strike railway workers bus drivers nurses health staff baggage handlers custom staff postal workers driving examiners that's really going to bring the country to its knees uh, road workers i mean this is pretty close to a general strike isn't it and they all want more money and uh, while they're striking of course they're getting paid less so they're spending less so it's not good for the economy either way no, it doesn't look it doesn't uh, doesn't look like it at all and, and i think you're right though i think it's the um you know given that we've got excuse me, the Bank of England on Thursday, where the market is is generally expecting no more than a 50 basis point hike, but is still flirting with the idea that it could be 75 basis points. Last I looked, I think there's something like 59 basis points of, of tightening priced in. Um, and I do think that, uh, you know, whether it's 50 or 75, and, and we are in the 50 camp, um, I do think it's that probably that weekly earnings X bonus measure um, now that is seen up to 5.9, up from 5.7 in September. So, you know, if that comes in at least as uh, as high as expected, or maybe even prints at six percent, I would uh, probably expect that that market pricing will shift a little bit further towards the risk of 75 basis points. And who knows, maybe we'll be, you know, almost um, you know 50-50 between those two outcomes, depending on what those numbers show. And then all those people who are on on strike will be saying, hang on a second, our mortgage has just gone up even more. So we're going to ask for even more money. It's it's never going to end in the UK, is it? Uh, So the German zoo survey uh, measuring consumer sentiment, uh, you know, uh, today, that's out today. Um, Maybe they'll be relieved and say, well, you know, at least we're not in the UK. Things aren't as bad here as they are over there. Uh, Locally, we get the NAB business survey, um, which surely is going to show that Australia isn't feeling the, uh, you know, the impacts hitting Europe and the US to an extent. Uh, we saw household consumption rising quite a bit in the numbers last week, didn't we? So that was a sign that things were going well. But does that also mean that you know inflation is going to become uh, more rampant in Australia? But uh, well, obviously, no, no clues here from the uh, the NAB business no. survey, at least. But uh, what did we have? Just reminding myself of uh, of last month's numbers, we did have um, both consumer confidence, sorry, uh, business confidence and business conditions did uh, slip back. Um, you know, we were what um, 0.2 on confidence from 4.5, and that's below the long-term average. And conditions still above, but did fall a couple of points. Um, so interest in those. But uh, and then what? Um, an hour ahead of that, we'll get the um, consumer confidence numbers. Where I think the interest is that you know last month's numbers showed that um, we pretty much p- p- um, matched the early pandemic era low uh, in November. Um, mm. You know, before that, you have to go back to 1990 to find weaker numbers. And yet, as is the case in many parts of the world, it's a case of watch what consumers do rather than what they say. Um, you know, and let's remind ourselves that in the GDP numbers that we had last week, household consumption was up by a, a pretty healthy 1.1% on the quarter. Yeah. And that's real. That's not, um, you know, that's not nominal, so including 
price effects, for example. So um, for the moment, at least, and, uh, you know, let's see what happens after the end of the festive season. But, um, you know, the consumer is, uh, is feeling depressed and, you know, maybe they're, they're dealing with their, <laughs> their mental condition by going out and spending more money. That seems to be the message. A bit moment, of retail therapy. Yeah, but that That's then it. that pushes prices up, doesn't it? Ultimately, uh, which is not what we want to see. Which is not so, what we hey. want. And uh, going back to the US, it's still, you know, we're still adamant that, uh, you know, a slower economy and a weakening labour market that does end up suppressing wage demands is is absolutely key. And so going back to the CPI numbers, the, you know, we may have talked about this before, but the, the glamour stat now is this number of sort of ex-housing core services inflation. So you mentioned all the, you know, the signs of uh, perhaps the impact of some, some impact of lower petrol prices, freight costs, etc. We know that goods disinflation is very much in train, but um, it's really what happens to services and wages is ultimately key to, uh, uh, to how that trends over the course of next year. Interesting times we live in, that's for sure, isn't it? Well, we'll find out what those CPI numbers are, and that'll give us a you know a, a hint towards where the Fed goes later in the week, of course. Uh, so we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you next time. Talk, yeah. talk to you one more time before Christmas. See you. Well, later. Thanks for all the to it. And there we are. That's Tuesday morning's morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Have a great day.